Fanny Pack Wrestling is a proud member of Diamond Club and the Freaking Awesome Network. Check out more great content at diamondclub.tv and freakingawesomenetwork.com. Nachos amigos and welcome back to another fantastic edition of the Fanny Pack Wrestling Podcast. Another guy den, another sojourn, another side journey. I'm Petey Rave, and I'm gonna be honest, there was a good time whenever I heard the name of the wrestler Ricochet, I would think of Mucha Lucha. Uh here with me, as always, is none other than Mad Tag Team Partner, my buddy D David Jeffrey Majors, aka DJM. How you doing, Deej? Hello, Petey Ray. Rumors of the Fanny Pack Wrestling Podcast demise have been greatly exaggerated. I am back. We are back. We're doing a Gaiden episode because it's time to talk Lucha Libre. Traditional yes. Lucha Libre. Yes. Uh, traditional at multiple levels of tradition. Uh, let's start by telling the story. Uh, about a little while back and how we ended up combining two events together. A little while back, you brought up the idea of doing and covering uh, Triple Mania. And we'll talk with, start with Triple Mania. Uh, of course, Triple A being the promotion, the home promotion for many of the talents that we talked about when we covered Lucha Underground. Uh, and then, you know, they had their big event, their mania they're you know this is our big event of the year triple mania uh Deej, how about giving a little context to the viewers on triple mania and triple a uh triple a is currently the largest lucha libre promotion in mexico lucha libre of course being the mexican pro wrestling that we're all at least to some degree familiar with the Mexican wrestling, the technical style, the clean style, the story of the Rudos, the Technicos, the mass wrestlers, the Exoticos, and everything that we all get a little taste of with possibly a little Tex-Mex American flavor yes. from Lucha Underground.
around, a little bit of the influence that we've seen creep into the world of Chikara. Uh, here it is with AAA in yes. its pure, slightly sports entertaining form. Yes, yes, AAA with AAA. Yeah, AAA. Uh, key thing to remember: AAA, and I'm looking at all this on Wikipedia. Was founded in '92. Uh, when Antonio Pena uh, broke away from the promotion we we will talk about later in the in the episode, uh, Consejo Mundial de Lucha Libre, to kind of set up a promotion with more creative freedom on his side, more creative freedom, and then some, and then Conan showed up at some point. But yeah, they are Asistencia, Asesoria y Administración. Those are the three A's uh, that make AAA, and this was Triple Mania. Uh, Deej. I have to ask when you know because we had talked about doing this show before we had seen it. What were your expectations uh, when you when you were broaching when you were thinking of uh, checking out this show? My expectations were uh, given the last eight nine months or so. Triple uh, A had kind of built up a pretty good reputation of having a fairly strong talent roster of lucha talent and a few smatterings of uh, independent talent from all over the world. And they had put on some good major shows. They had signed some very large names in the wrestling world. And I saw AAA, uh, this recent Triple Mania show, as their chance, their opportunity to stake their claim on the global wrestling stage. Not unlike what New Japan Pro Wrestling did with Wrestle Kingdom 9, this was AAA's opportunity to stake their claim uh, as the preeminent Lucha Libre promotion in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a big part of that was uh, them doing like them doing like New Japan did, uh, English commentary. Special English commentary with uh, Matt Stryker and Hugo Hugo uh, Savinovich uh, on you know Hugo Savinovich on as an analyst and Matt Stryker as a play-by-play guy uh, doing their thing. Let's get into it. <laughs> let's let's talk about Triple Mania then. Uh, sure. Triple Mania. So what, what? As soon as it started up, what was your impression of what would it, you know when it booted up when the the pageantry started what was your first impressions of of triple a my hopes were high uh i was going to say okay it's arena mexico it's mexico city it's a big crowd we've got a main event we've got a world title match we've got you know all of the stuff like the hair versus hair match we've got uh, a trios tag we've got the villanos we got all of this stuff that I know about Lucha Libre complete with a main event that could truly be a big match on any card anywhere in the world, which would see Rey Mysterio Jr. taking on Mr. C's, the man formerly known as Mystico and also formerly known as Sin Cara. So jumping right in, this looked like it had potential to be a knockout. Yeah. But um, it's and it had potential to have some really cool stuff, but then it kind of started, yeah. and the production value problems started. Yeah, there there were some very clear technical issues, most notably with the audio. 
uh, most notably with the English commentary. Uh, Hugo Savinovich, um, best known as formerly being the the Spanish analyst for the WWE, uh, was stuck a lot of times with translating what people in Mexico were saying live over the microphone, Mm -hmm. where Matt Stryker had to do his best to kind of tell the story and Hugo did the best he could to provide a little bit of, of color to the, to the whole event. But more than anything, the technical issues with the video uh, of the stream yeah. uh, and the actual broadcast, uh, the, yeah. the broadcast to Mexico and most notably the English commentary for minutes at a time uh, were completely gone. And Matt, yeah, who, he, there was a, just a, couple of matches there was just like entire matches where there was no hugo savinovich <laughs> there wasn't there was just matt striker on his own and you in and, and with a lot of quiet which you could assume it was supposed to be hugo savinovich uh talking but you you didn't hear anything you could maybe hear it from matt striker's microphone because <laughs> right. he was next to him but that's about it uh and that's a bad showing. That's that's that's, that's not a good look, Luna. It's yeah, not a good look at all. Yeah. Um, let's talk about. Well, let's and we we talk about the production before we go back to more negative. Let's talk about some of the positives. What will be some of the highlights for you? Uh, we talk about getting on some highlights. What would be some of the highlights for you? Well, I'll say that the. The trios steel cage match for the AAA World Trios Championship between Los Hell Brothers and uh, Los Gueros de Cielo. Uh, that was pretty great. Yes. Uh, I've said many, many times I love, uh, I'm just checking. Yeah, I love the team of Angelico and Jack Evans. Mm-hmm. They, are, they are terrific. I love I love I I dug Angelico's uh use of the GoPro. <laughs> I would yes. love to see that footage. And of course the living legend Jack Evans from the yes. Heavens. He needs no introduction. And teaming with them a guy who is like equally the crazy high flyer Phoenix or yes. Phoenix as yeah. it's pronounced taking on this really cool rudo team of yeah, los hell brothers los hell uh, brothers averno chessman and cybernetico uh these they, are they, names they to are, know in lucha they, they are they are definitely names to know and man they they had like the coolest look yeah all, all um, together did they i'm familiar with them and uh from seeing some lucha libra and they yeah seeing those hell brothers is fantastic they just have a really cool look also in the match uh the third trio uh el hijo de fantasma uh pentagon jr and el tejano jr uh a lot of kids and, and he's he's junior in AAA. he's not just tejano as he is in lucha underground yeah el tejano jr uh, and like and Petey, let me just say, uh, I'm I'm going to apologize because personally, I, I feel not totally unlike Matt Stryker in this position, where I am enthusiastically interested, but I'm going to sound like a stupid American and mispronounce all the things. Yes, and I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, you know what? Sorry. It's it's only fair. It's not Japanese. <laughs> 
I think that's where your strong suit is. Do you got the Japanese down? I'll take the Mex- I'll take the Spanish. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll I'll take the Spanish. I'm not going to say I do exceptionally well, but as long as Jaime doesn't show up <laughs> to to we'll point out exactly how you know how imperfect I am, I, I'll be okay. I can I can fool people. Uh, but yeah, the the three way trios was fantastic. Had a lot of great moments. Uh, had a lot of great uh, feel to it. Uh, and I will say that I, on top of that, I did enjoy ending aside. I did enjoy the main event. Uh, and, but, uh, well, I guess we can leave, leave the main event for its own discussion. And I did enjoy the, uh, El Patron Alberto or Alberto Patron and Brian Cage with the hair versus hair, the Lucha de Apuesta, uh, uh. I know I have sung the praises of Alberto El Patron for years and years and years across the internet wrestling community. And man, I say it again. That man is a world champion. Mm-hmm. Book him as your world champion and let him make you money. Just, yes. just yes. point blank. Uh, and Bri- Brian Cage, he is a freak of nature. He's awesome. He is and a fucking machine. <laughs> And best of all, best of all, in AAA, his entrance music is a song by my favorite band in the world, Dream Theater. He uses the song As I Am. So I can never hate him now. He's a Dream (laughs) Theater fan. We we share something that goes beyond pro wrestling. So... And the match itself from start to finish was really, really cool. I don't usually like the whole heel referee challenging the baby faced stuff, yeah. but I, I was willing to let that slide because it did turn out the right way. Yeah. Um I the the there was an abundance and an acceptance of the heel referees that I was a little meh about I, I was a little sour on like yeah. the fact that there is a Rudo referee like they have that alliance like just it's not like somebody just is bad at their job they're you know what that guy's just a Rudo it's like well no they that guy's that, bad at his job <laughs> like, there was a guy like that in Dragon Gate too and uh, also back in the day uh, in WCW a senior official Nick Patrick was a heel referee and he eventually became the nwo referee he, yeah, he yeah. Ref under he refed under a hood but uh it was nick nick patrick so yeah. i know that there is a precedence for the rudo referee i've just i've just always been kind of eh about yeah. it um i think yeah, I, and those- I don't i i have mixed feelings about the idea of the referee being a part of the show Exactly. I think the it always goes back to maybe being more in the 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 more in the camp of the traditional idea of if the referee's doing his job, you don't notice him at all. Sure. And as much as he is, and he is a part of the match. He's an integral part of the match, of course. But he should be visible. Children should be seen, not heard. <laughs> I believe we have our show title, PD. Uh, yes. Referees should be seen, not heard. Uh, oh. uh, unless it's counting the count. And also, how? what were your thoughts on the... Uh, 
and this is such a nitpicky thing. I guess it's a tradition thing. The the count cadence. Oh, this is something I hate about Lucha Libre so much. It's it's the worst thing. It's the worst. It's the worst. Like the the referee stands there, and then then he checks. He checks to see if their shoulders down. Then he kneels down, and then he he raises his hand, and then goes one. And then checks again, two, and then checks again, and then oh, they kicked out at two. It's they, it's the they, absolute they kicked worst. out at seven. That's what it was yeah. like, Jeez. Uh, it is the worst. And and it, uh, God's bless Matt Striker for having to pitch, having to sell hard sell, uh, like like in that as being great lucha tradition. <laughs> Those guys having to having to push that. Even though they probably know in the, the back of their mind, the only reason they brought it up as something that they have to explain to the international audience is, is because they know it's bullshit and people are going to think it's bullshit when they were watching. So they they thought, well, and it I'm, is, it it's is bullshit. Um, um question but, to any lucha libre aficionados out there: Are they training any new younger referees? Yeah. Possibly ones that don't weigh as much. Yeah. Possibly. Possibly some that might be able to keep up with the guys that are working. Yeah. That was a problem with the AAA. Send uh, us an at reply at Fanny Pack WP and just let us know. Yeah. We'd like to know if there are, you know, younger, more in shape refs that can, you know, keep up with the match. Yeah. Yeah, we would like to know. Uh, that would be good information for us. Um, also, I just want to say, um, I, I don't want to go without mentioning the opening match of this show. Yes. Uh, because it had a little bit of everything. It had yes. Drago. It had Pimpin Yella Escarlata. It had Sexy Star. Uh, and it also had Goya Kong, who I just, I could not help but enjoy. Yes. <laughs> Goya Kong, uh, who is just all just a, the the right kind of ridiculous. Um, she's wonderful. She's, she's wonderful. wonderful. Uh, she's just wonderful and fun uh, and kind of hilarious. Uh, I I'm a, I'm a little back and forth on the ex- exoticos exoticos uh, because there's a part of me in the back of my mind. That kind of considers it gay blackface. Yeah, because I I understand where you're coming from the, on that one, and I think this was on the AAA show, or or it might have been this one. One of the exoticos was actually uh, a straight dude that is married and has a son. Yeah. So when I read that, I thought, huh, that was kind of weird. But yeah. then you think about you think about Pimpinella, you think about Cassandro, and then well. I guess that's just kind of kind of a weird space that yeah. in Lucha Libre it's okay. It's I I guess uh, I, I still have I my reservations, you. but yeah. But Goya Kong was fantastic. Uh, Drago, you know, doing his thing, he was awesome. Uh, you gotta love the the, the tongue uh, and the style. Sexy Star was pretty was pretty fantastic. She's she's a she is a talent, and she I liked it. She was showing, you know, she showed that in Lucha Underground 
and she's shown that here and i love kind of seeing her here uh and she's definitely a fun cool talent sexy star um but yeah goya kong (laughs) goya kong is great yes the fanny pack wrestling podcast gives goya kong four thumbs up four thumbs up for goya kong but now pd rave Let's jump into the main event of this show. Yes, yes. Uh, the main event, which saw Rey Mysterio Jr. Uh, taking on the man known as Mysticis. Uh The man uh, at one time, uh, and I guess at this time, because you know he's going to keep the thing, uh, as the El Principe de Plata y Oro, the Prince of uh, pl- uh, Silver and Gold, or Platinum and Gold, uh, the Prince of Silver and Gold, Mysticis, uh, formerly known as Sinkara, uh, formerly known as Mystico, now Mysticis, in a singles match, a match, you know, a build as a dream match, big, you know, big, uh, big game feel, big match feel. Uh, they definitely uh, played it up quite a bit. Uh, how did you feel? it lived up to the dream match status i was pleasantly surprised i was pleasantly surprised to see that Rey mysterio still has more gas in the tank than i thought he did uh i am glad to see him as revered as he is in mexico because he deserves it uh in more than just mexico he reserves it he, he deserves it. He deserves that level of reverence. When Ray came out to the ring, Matt Stryker said it best. There is only one Ray Mysterio Jr. Yeah. Uh, it is because of Ray Mysterio Jr. That, th- that the idea, the concept of Lucha Libre has a place on the global stage of professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ray Mysterio Jr. was for all intents and purposes, the first mass luchador to really exceed on the global stage. Yeah, yeah. He, and, he, and he, he deserves that recognition. Uh, Mr. C's, uh, Mystico, uh, was for a long time uh, the second biggest wrestling draw in the world to John Cena. Yes. Uh, this is a dream match. Most places in the world, if not being a main event in Mexico, this would be a very, very close to top of the card match anywhere in the world. And I would say that it was not disappointing. And I liked that they actually had a story in mind after the match ended. Yeah. Um, they, They build up to something. Uh, they built to something. They built it through the match as well uh, to Mysticis's, uh solidification as a Rudo. Uh, ultimately, yeah, they, they built it well during the match. They had those moments uh, in, th- throughout the match that's like peppered in there, uh, you know, right or like here and there. The I would say the the end, the post match execution of the story yeah was a little confusing based on like who was attacking who right how did that set up for what and then 
the and then them running out of airtime didn't help either. That was so WCW. That was that's, literally WCW. That was that's that's not a good look either. No, and that was like uh, that is not a good look either. They they cut off right when you know, and apparently what happened was Conan uh, in uh, Conan uh, recruited uh, Mississis into uh, the association, la asociación, uh, la sociedad, uh, the society. Uh, as the show went off air, oh! As the show went off air, Mysticis declined to join Conan's La Sociedad. It was like uh, when Mysterio Jr. offered a handshake, Mysticis spit a liquid in Mysterio's eyes and declared that he did not care about the fans or Mysterio Jr. He later challenged Mysterio to put his mask on the line in a Lucha de Apuestas match. As the show went off the air, Mysticis declined to join Conan's La Sociedad. La Sociedad. La Sociedad. That made me laugh. Stating that he was on his own. Of course, none of this was readily apparent on, on the actual event video. I like the idea of Mysticis being the top heel in Mexico because he was the top technico for so long. Yeah. However, there are two guys now that suitably take his place, Alberto El Patron and Rey Mysterio Jr. Uh, you could almost say that Mr. C's is almost in a kind of CM Punk-like position where yeah. he's he's the top guy, but now he's been usurped by these guys who came from somewhere else, and now he's pissed. Yeah, and that's that's not uncommon pro wrestling story. Yeah. That's that's something you can run with. Yeah. Um, I I don't know if they specifically said if this match between Ray and Mysticis will be mask versus mask, or if Mysticis just challenged for Ray's yeah. mask. So he I, presumably it's going to be a, a lucha de places on both ends. That's I think that's the assumption. Generally, okay. if you're asking somebody's mascara masks, con, mascara contra mascara. If you're asking for somebody's mask, the presumption is you're putting your mask on the line. Uh, Which leads us into CMLL yes. Anniversario. CMLL Anniversario. Uh, CMLL 82nd. That's the big one. Uh, speaking of, yes, CMLL is, uh, like I mentioned before, Consejo Mundial de Lucha Libre. It is the original home of mysticis where he may cut his teeth as mystical uh it is also, home, also to the the home of current mystical <laughs> and it is also the original home of the man formerly known as dos caras jr now known as alberto, alberto el patron exactly uh it is the the four the four most traditional conservative uh lucha libre if if AAA is your taste of traditional lucha libre, this is this is the truth. You know, this is the true thing. You know, if 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 certain other bands are your taste of prog rock, this is Rush. You know, yeah. CMLO is the Rush. AAA is lucha libre with sports entertainment sprinkled. Uh, CMLL is lucha libre with no extra toppings exactly it is uh, and it is also it needs to be said cmll is the world's longest running still active wrestling promotion 
Yes. Uh, you know, it, it is 82nd year, you know, anniversary. That is not a misnomer. That is not a, a typo. That's 82nd years, you know, 82 years uh, of doing their anniversary shows, you know, 82 years old. That is that is a long-running show. It's a long-running promotion with a lot of tradition. Uh, and this was just, definitely... A- just for frame of reference, Vince McMahon the second took the World Wrestling Federation from his father uh, only roughly just about three and a half decades ago. And Vince McMahon the first uh, made the Worldwide Wrestling Federation uh, his promotion from the Capital Wrestling Company uh, in the 1950s and early 60s. So AAA was around decades before that. Yeah, CML. Yeah, CML was around decades before that. Like, uh, it is the you know, well, I guess one of the originals. I mean, used to be the Mexican Empire of Lucha Libre, uh, but now it's the World Wrestling Council, uh, and it is definitely more traditional. Like, for example, all 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 but two of the matches were trios three on three. They all, all but one of the matches were best two out of three falls. All but two of the matches were three on three. And it took me a few matches to figure it out, but I, I finally figured it out. Uh, it is, you know, quite a few of the matches were the traditional Lucha Libre rules, three on three, best two out of three falls, tag team match. And let me explain it a little bit as I figure it out. It's three, two teams of three. Each team has a captain. It is best out of three falls. How you win a fall is either, I believe, captain v. captain. Captain pinning the captain, I believe. I'm not sure if it's captain. It might be anybody pinning the captain, but I'm thinking it's captain pinning the captain. Or pin uh, the the two non-captains pinning the other two non-captains. That's how you win one fall. And that is that goes to three falls. That's where you're gonna see that. That's important info to know because you're gonna see moments where you see you could swear that was one fall, but that guy pinned that guy and that guy pinned that guy. It's like what's going on? There were two pins going on there in consecutive, or they do it at the same time. That's why it's the two non-captains pinning the two non-captains, and sometimes it's the captain pinning the captain. That's some traditional Lucha Libre in your face. Lucha Libre, everybody. That, that's, that's Lucha Libre. Yes. And you know what? It was kind of refreshing. I don't know about you, Deej, but it was kind of refreshing uh, as an experience to get into. And what, what was your impression diving into this more conservative, traditional Lucha Libre? I loved CMLL's production value and presentation. And the show as a whole was a bit vanilla, but I don't mean that as a bad thing. It was very straightforward. Uh, there were no, there wasn't much craziness to be had. There was very little room for error because this is what CMLL does. They're doing it and they will execute it because they've always executed it. However, PD Rave, there is one thing about CMLL uh, that has always bugged me and that I don't yes. quite get. What is up with the dancing girls? 
It's... This is just something that I see at CMLL. <laughs> I don't know why they're there. I don't know what purpose they serve. They don't even dance to the music that's playing half the time. They're just kind of rocking side to side for no real purpose when the wrestlers come out. And then rather than the cameraman keeping the camera on the performers in the ring, they go to the girls. Yes. Now, I kind of understand that, but I kind of don't. Yeah. Like, the it's whole thing look. about the girls and, and having ring girls for the falls of the match. I think I can understand the fun. ring girls for the falls, but yeah, I definitely feel you on like the random dancing girls. Uh, random who dancing girls. Ba- who barely dance. Yes, who barely yeah. dance. Uh, like that's the later in the show, like the main event and everything, where it was like a big presentation and you had people dancing and all of that stuff. Yeah, I get that. But when they were just standing out outside the ring, what, in the middle what, what of people's entrances, there? yes, it was odd. It was like, odd. Do, to say do they? What I had thought for a while is maybe uh, some creative luchador working for CMLL could say, hey, maybe I could use them to choreograph something and we could do some kind of routine a la BB Hulk in Dragon Gate. Yes. Love BB Hulk. Oh, my God. Yeah. But no, they're they're just kind of there and they're just kind of swaying back and forth. Yeah. And then the camera looks at them and then they go to the ring. Yes, and then I, I don't. First of all, <laughs> I don't get it. I, I I don't know if they're. I don't. I don't get it either necessarily. I mean, yeah, I don't get it either. <laughs> they're serving no purpose at all. Yeah, other than standing there looking pretty, uh, mostly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> mostly. Uh, no, they're lovely girls. Uh. But that being said, getting into the wrestling action, what, what was your f- first impression when you finally got into the wrestling action? Things got going and you got some to see some proper lucha. Uh, it was definitely proper lucha. Uh, there was there was some good. There was some imperfect. Uh, and I will say that I really didn't get into any of the matches until the third match on the show yeah uh the first couple of matches were okay you know a good opening match probably got to, to see some cool talent there uh the the second match has some good names uh you know and they're you know, not not big time names but you know names that i think are important i think will be important to note uh in the future there's some there's some good talent in the first couple of uh, matches uh guys like El fuego and guys like puma and virus well no virus is the I, old guy i liked dragon rojo jr i like dragon that. rojo jr was pretty fantastic uh maximo the world heavyweight champion over there at cmll uh who he draws that line of being kind of like an exotico uh but he is the world heavyweight champion uh so you know, he wrestles as an... Ex- I, I will give him that, that he does the exotico thing, but, you know, he is married, he has a son, but he's also the champ. <laughs> he's one of the top talents. You know, he wasn't hey. wrestling in the main event this time, but, you know, he's got the strap. Good for him. 
So Good for him. They consider him an important talent. So I, I will give them that. Uh, but yeah, the third match in the card, uh, we get to see uh, the farewell match to a talent that we've seen elsewhere who's going to get a great opportunity to train young talent in the WWE PD. Performance Center. We have the PD. lady, Nornis Sarita. I must, I must, I must, PD. Yes. I must. I occasionally have to do this with certain talents, like Sami Zayn, like Cesaro, like Daniel Bryan. Yes. In the case of the Dark Angel Sarah Stock, she is absolutely incredible. She is, in my own opinion, the perfect female wrestler. She is extremely talented athletically. She is a great talker in English and Spanish. If you see her do interviews, she's terrific. And of course, she is absolutely gorgeous. She is perfect. I remember first seeing her wrestle for Shimmer and just being blown away by how unbelievably talented she was. If truly nobody else was on her level and not only that it wasn't that she was like a joshi wrestler either she was a luchadora which for me at the time was so unique seeing a woman doing the lucha libre style and not just doing it but doing it at a very high level and as a wrestling fan i fell in love with the dark angel sarah stock uh, and I followed her career from the first time I saw her in Shimmer uh, through TNA as Sarita. And now that she's leaving CMLL and she's heading to new opportunities at the Performance Center as a trainer, all I can hope for is that I'm hoping that that one cameo she made at the last NXT TakeOver special, Yes, I'm hoping that's just the beginning and I'm hoping that Triple H, if you're out there, I hope you realize the talent that you have with her. <laughs> and please, pretty please use her. She's so good. Yeah. She's so great. Please, yeah. Triple H, if you're out there, if anybody, if the wrestling gods can relay this <laughs> message to Triple H, just give him a few tapes of Sarah in Mexico, in Shimmer, and just, I hope Triple H realizes, whoa, this girl's amazing. Yes. We need, we need her on TV. She's incredible. Yes. And she was fantastic. Uh, okay. She had a, she had I'm a done. pretty good. Yes. I'm done, Petey. I'm done. <laughs> she had a pretty good foil in uh, Princess, Princesa Sugeit, uh, Suheit, uh, and they had a fun singles match, uh, a good, nice, sizable match. Oh, this, uh, this was great. I, yeah, I would almost was, say this was the best match on the show. Yeah, I, I think this was, this it was, was, this was start there. to finish. It was probably the smoothest match on the show. Yes. Because one, they're both really, really good and they obviously know each other very well. Uh, just for the history, it was Princesa Suhate that took Dark Angel's mask uh, yeah. 11 years ago that they said. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, they, they, they are familiar with each other and they put together a really cool match. And I think that was a good match to go out on. They gave her, you know, they gave her plaque and flowers, uh, and deservedly so. She, she put in a lot of time, 
uh, for CMLL. And I think it was definitely, I imagine, a bittersweet moment to kind of leave that place. Because if anything, no matter, you know, she's done great things all over the world. But she, I think in her heart, that was always like her, her, her passion was Mexico and Mexican wrestling. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. CMLL. She always would go back to that. You know, she, she did her cup of coffee initially at AAA, but, you know, going where the traditional lucha lives, that was, you know, that I, I can almost assume that's her home. I think she's going to have a great opportunity, but I imagine she's going she's gonna to miss it <laughs> quite a bit. I, uh, I, ho- I hope she's on NXT. Yes. Please. Pretty please. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe one time, uh, you know one-time match against each other or maybe a one-time tag team no no we're, we're not we're not gonna go that far i know what you're gonna say pd but i don't I think know. that's gonna happen yeah, i don't no. think that's gonna happen but i don't know maybe sarah versus charlotte maybe yeah, maybe maybe i don't know we can only Sa- hope sarah versus alexa bliss maybe yeah maybe i don't know maybe yeah yeah, that would be Sarah nice. versus Dark Angel versus Blue Pants, maybe. Yes, yes. Maybe Dark please. versus Blue. Da, uh, the the new please. the new please. the new uh, Negro versus Azul. It's gonna it'll be Dark Angel versus Blue Pants. It'll be the new Negro Blue versus ne- Azul. <laughs> uh, yes, but it was at a fantastic next, at the next NXT takeover in Mexico City. Yes, that would be fantastic. Uh, and that brought us to, I think, the, the next match, which was also, really, I think, personally really good and had a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, had a lot going well for it. Uh, we had Dragon Lee, uh, which is kind of a fantastic name, uh, Dragon Lee, and the Sky Team uh, featuring the aforementioned Mystico uh, and Valiente uh, taking on La Peste Negra, uh, the Dark Plague, uh, or the Black Plague, uh, which was uh, Negro Casas, El Felino, and Mr. Niebla, uh, which is kind of like they they, they, they they apparently they smell at least uh, really? from what I gather from what I gather from the match and from the commentary. Uh, what was your impression on this match? This one has that has some cool stuff going on for uh, in it. Uh, uh, it's always great to see Mystico. Yeah, like the, the the current Mystico is actually pretty good. So yeah, yeah. that's cool yeah. for me. Yeah, and it has some cool stuff going on. Establishing, some I, cool I guess the the one problem that that you can talk about with CMLL is one thing that is very different from CMLL uh, in lots of other promotions is that there's no real global outreach. They they don't really try to. Uh, extend their brand to the rest of the wrestling public triple a does uh companies in japan do uh the indies do there's always this kind of sort of international feel to all of these companies but with cmll they are lucha libre they play arena mexico there's no need for english commentary or anything like that they're they have their audience and that that makes it a little hard to break in. Yeah. But the the few talents that I know, I'm always happy to see them. Yes. Uh, and there's some uh, fun talents. And this this one was cool. And then it goes into the next one, 
uh, which was an uh, an interesting one. It was Relevos, Relevos Increíbles. Uh, it was a you know uh, what were we call it? Strange Bedfellows match or Lethal Lottery or Loteria, sure. you know that style. Uh, we had mixy, a mix of uh, Rudos and Technicos on both sides. Uh, we had Shocker. Uh, again, another name to know in uh, Lucha Libre. We had Ultimo Guerrero, no relation. Uh, Volador Jr., the captain. Uh, taking on uh, two members of Los Inco- Ingobernables, uh, the unruly or the un- ungovernable, uh, teaming with Thunder. No uh, Tetsuya Naito. For you no, New Japan fans out there, not not, not this though. night. No, he is a member of Los Ingobernables, uh, which is fascinating because they had a lot of AAA talent on on the Wrestle Kingdom show, and he was there repping the CMLL uh, stable. Which well, is... New Japan and CMLL do have kind of a soft working relationship with one another, so they've had a few talent exchanges in the last few years. They've done some joint shows, so. Yeah. Uh, I guess Tetsuya Naito, with his recent change in disposition, joined Los Ingobernables. Yeah. Uh, and they were teaming with Thunder. Uh, they did not say from down under, but he is from down under. Uh, he is an Australian luchador, uh, allegedly. Why not? Yes, he is Australian, but he is following the luchador tradition and not having his name public. And wearing a mask. Um, okay. All right. He's a luchador. He's a luchador. Full-on luchador. Uh, and he, I believe he's a more of a Technico. And Los Incomprenables are kind of riding that middle ground. They're more Rudo than anything. Especially Rush. Uh, with his actions this match and the following. And Naito in New Japan is definitely Rudo. Now. Yes. He don't give up about anybody uh this one was a oh, this one was a fun match i think so you got we had the presence of marco Colleone, formerly known as mark jindrak uh and volador jr is a talent to see uh he's doing the he's doing the body armor thing uh which is fascinating same with uh, shocker for you people that remembered the the time he was in tna yes shocker uh some talents uh, what did you think of, of this uh this strange bedfellows match this was fun uh, i've always kind of questioned the idea behind the incredibles matches I, I don't really understand the point but they usually end up fun regardless and this was fun yeah. uh seeing los ingobernables uh, do their shenanigans is always kind of fun and that, that's really the best thing I can say about this is that this was a fun. It was, yeah. it was kind of all over the place. It was, it was the closest thing I would see uh, from uh, in CMLL to some of the really unruly, wild violence that can sometimes happen in AAA. Exactly, uh, and it did establish a little bit of a thread regarding Rush, Rush. Uh, going into the main event uh, with him t- kind of causing the last fall with uh, getting himself disqualified by attacking the ref, which, you know what, you, you don't touch the official. 
You don't put your hands on the official. Uh, Except was, with every other time. Yes, exactly. Uh, but he did put his hands on the official, and he was having none of that. Mm-mm-mm. Uh, and he got, got his team disqualified uh, for the third fall. Uh, and that established a, a, a little mini thread into going into the main event of the evening. Uh, and we'll go into it. Uh, we had the classic, almost at this point, traditional, I believe, at, uh, at the anniversary shows. At the, the anniversary iconic. Shows. Yeah, the iconic at this point almost at least for the most uh, the f- most recent future uh has been a mainstay for the anniversary shows the lucha de apuestas mask versus mask high stakes big match you know a, a lot on the line we had the legendary talk about a name to know in and Rus- lucha libre Atlantis uh taking on the young kid and we found out really young kid, uh, La Sombra, who we didn't know his age before the match. That was a, that's a, you talk about traditional lucha libre. We didn't yeah. know his name or an age. We found out he's a young well, guy. He's a young, young guy. guy. Uh, not to spoil things. Uh, sorry, it's a spoiler. He ended up losing. Just putting that out there ahead of time. Uh, this was really good. This was really really good. And this, this was had, more than just La Sombra bouncing and bumping all over for. Atlantis, as you'll see from a lot of older luchadors, Mil Mascaris, while yes. they kind of stand around and do nothing. Uh, Atlantis definitely held his own, and yeah. this was really, really good. Uh, yeah. The crowd was definitely into it. You, you could see how much it mattered, uh, because at the end of the match, uh, Atlantis was in the crowd signing people's masks. Yes. So yes. you can see how important that was. This moment, uh, but yeah. in the end... The young Rudo, uh, La Sombra, lost the Lucha de Espuestas and lost his mask. Yeah, and he and and the, that was a big moment. I, and I loved the big moment, big match feel, especially at the end, and how much emotion was expressed. And Chidi, I, I he he cut a promo before taking the mask off. Yes, uh, and he given my understanding he really put over atlantis yes uh, but he also talked about uh his group uh what it seemed like he's a part of los ingobernables yes yes um if you could give me a little bit of information of what he was saying if you remember before I, he took off the mask because it, it seemed like it was very very important yeah yeah um it was very important he he basically talked about uh you know how his uh a motivation uh he talked about his, but his feeling on losing his mask he 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 you know gave atlantis a shout out uh he talked about you know about his family he thanked you know the people that supported him if i remember correctly and i, I could be remembering i'm misremembering and i remember the big thing was uh you know he thanked his family uh and he made sure to uh uh, he asked it. I think you probably gathered. He asked his father specifically to take his mask. He invited his father into the ring uh, to to be the one to take his mask and give it to Atlantis. Um, 
that's I think that's what, about as much as I can remember uh, as far as the details. It was mostly, you know, kind of how you gathered it. Uh, mostly talking about, you know, the respect you had for Atlantis, uh, you know, and, and things like that. There were there was more, but I I can't quite remember all the details off the top of my head. But it's definitely mostly that. And, and then, this really put over, uh, I think, for the uninitiated, just the significance of the Lucha de Aspuestas and the significance of the mask in Lucha Libre. Yeah. How he really took this very, very seriously because this will change his entire career forever. Yeah. I mean, uh, this is what happened to Volador Jr. last year. And then it, and I'm going back into the match, I was talking about the, the, the tying the thread because this was best two out of three falls. And the first fall was the disqualification fall by surprise, Rush putting his hands on the referee two falls in a row like consecutive getting <laughs> disqualification be, because of uh putting it Rush is going to get suspended. Yes. Uh you know, Bud Seeley going to come uh come after him. Now that he does now that he's not ruling baseball anymore. He's going to start ruling other sports. Uh Yeah, and but yeah, the the big moment, you know, you could see his family all throughout outside of the ring. Everyone emotional. You can see fans being getting emotional. Uh, fans in, in La Sombra, uh, you know, shirts getting emotional. Like this moment, like you know, his mom was crying and like, like, like uh, understanding, but just you know, because it was just the big emotional moment and uh, it, it mattered. I think that was one of the coolest things about how much this stuck to the traditions of lucha in the sense of creating these moments that matter to the culture of lucha libre uh which i I think made for for a more enjoyable show i think between the two at least for me on balance and of course we're talking about specifically just these two shows um i don't know deed what was your how would you balance these two what would you think you liked better in one or the other how would you kind of like differentiate uh what you liked more in one or the other i see positives and negatives in both i see positives and negatives in AAA in that they are attempting to welcome people into what they do on the negative side they are clearly not ready for prime time on a technical yeah. level yeah. and that is unfortunate they tried it was not a complete failure but it was a miss and i hope they figure it out also no more vianos yeah no more vianos yes no more vianos i i under and and there was a lot of discussion on that match and i didn't want to dwell on it but i I think it's worth talking about the vianos versus psycho circus it really was essentially i believe psycho clown holding carrying five people in on a match by himself viano three i under, i get he just had a stroke he probably doesn't go and you want to have this match maybe he doesn't need to be in the ring i'm guessing that's probably his last match I well mean, we know it's his last match maybe he didn't need to have a match 
at, at least we know that that was the end. I think that was more, un- that was another one of those Lucha Libre things that yeah. I was willing to let go. Yeah, I think it, it's, it was uncomfortable. I didn't want, yes. I, one of the yes. big things that I didn't want to dwell on, I didn't want to be like piling on this match because I understood what was going on. And I, I was simply just going to say, you know, we'll leave that match as it is. Yeah. Uh, jumping over to CMLL, uh, the positives and negatives that I saw from that was that production-wise and work rate-wise, it was pretty much flawless. Everybody from the top of the car to the bottom was on point. The negatives were it was very insular. It did next to nothing to welcome a new first-time viewer. Yeah. Which, in the case of a wrestling promotion that has been around for over 80 years, they probably assume that you really don't have to. If you're at Arena Mexico, you know what you're watching. If you're watching this on TV, you know what you're watching. And for me, or for Petey, or for anyone out there that might be checking this show out and checking out CMLO for the first time, it's hard to find out what the stories are. Yeah. And I would like to see if CMLL will work on that, but I'm not getting my hopes up. I will say it took me... It might have been it might be took me till the second to last match to figure out what I explained in the beginning of the show. Uh, I mean not the beginning the beginning of our discussion of CMLL. Uh, it took me like deducing things from from visual cues to figure out how the Lucha Libre rules worked. Uh, but yeah, it, it, there is a barrier to entry with CMLL. Uh, there's a lot of talent there. There's a lot of tradition there. There's a lot of young talent there. Uh, for being the more conservative of the and more traditional of the two, it did sh- showcase a lot of young talent. Yes, it had the veterans, uh, obviously. You know your Shockers, your uh, your Atlantis, uh, and you know quite a few here and there. Uh, but those veterans can still go. <laughs> uh you know especially atlantis he can still go he's 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 up there but you know and he wasn't doing he wasn't you know he wasn't doing his uh full mystico routine it but, reminded me of jushin thunder liger exactly you know he can still go he does everything right he does creates the match he works with the other person he's receptive to the young talent uh he he can help them and they help him it was and it all and the main event was flawless yeah it was fantastic and they created a a great match but yeah the positives and negatives so i think overall what we're saying is they both have their things and there's there's gold in their hills as uh one brett hibbert would say uh but you know triple a being probably your your easiest uh, entry, if they can get their production on point, uh, and honestly, if they just have that last thing, 
maybe tone down your 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 twists your 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 uh overuse of the turns maybe uh maybe tone turn those down uh that one is probably they they have they're 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 getting there it's just they don't seem to be uh ready for prime time uh and cml i i don't think they they i think they're just they're established they have what's up with the dancing girls we need to know somebody tell us and they they barely move yeah i mean if they were better dancers they, they should probably dance a little more exactly i mean i just we need to know uh we need to be informed at uh, fanny pack wp on twitter yes, exactly let us know uh that's it overall i mean, overall what's your thought on the lucha mainstream it was enjoyable uh as a wrestling hipster and a wrestling nerd i always enjoy the consideration to take a trip down to Mexico and uh, spend an evening at Arena Mexico and check out some lucha. And if you're interested, give it a shot. Yeah. Uh, it might be a little harder to do it, but go and try it. Check it out. It's There, there are ways you can get it. Be on, be on the Rudo side, be on the Technico side. Exactly. Have hey, if, you have, if you have Gala Vision... Uh, on on your you know uh, TV plan, you can probably catch some CMLL. I think I forget which ones on Galavision nowadays. I believe but, that's CMLL. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so you can check out some CMLL, see some traditional lucha, uh, if you want to get you know get nerdy with it. Uh, so check it and out. And if you like some of the talent that you saw in AAA, they will be back for season two of Lucha Underground Woo! in 2016. Yeah, the hype is real. Oh God, I'm so happy. I'm gonna have to catch up. Take it home, Petey. All right. Take it home. Uh, that brings us to the end of another fantastic episode of the Fanny Pack Wrestling Podcast. We will be back with regularity. Uh, we've taken our probiotics and we will be regular again. Uh, Deej. Oh, Petey, I don't want to do this. Come on, don't. Deej. No, I don't. I don't. Just, the thing. just hit the music. All right. Uh, Deej is at Just Call Me DJM. I'm at PD Rave. PD is in Williams. Rave is Jimmy. All in one word. Fanny Pack WP. FannyPackWrestling.com. Rebelli.net for this music. and other shows. Uh, Rebelli TV on YouTube. Hit the music. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, all over the place. Until next time. Hasta the swivel. Oh, there were like no parts. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> what was that, DJ? <laughs>
There were like no arm drags in this yeah, entire no. show. Yeah, no arm drags. Chikara lies. Yes. Quackenbush. Quackenbush. Quackenbush.